Hey now, it's Brace for Impact, and I'm your host, Mike Gilbert, and I'm joined as always by JD by God Oliva. How you doing, JD? You know, I finally got to watch the show on time this week, but then nothing else worked. So, you know, <laughs> eventually this is going to be a video show, but the professional video guy can't figure it out. Yeah, one day we will be off of Zoom. Uh, today is not that day. We're back. We're back in the fold, Zoom. So um, <laughs> uh, that's fun. But yeah. and I'm and it's very late where you're at. Yeah, it's twelve thirty, so it's good. Yeah. Got to get the kid up at six. It's awesome. Let's record a show. Yeah, yeah, let's do it, man. So we'll we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, Crazy Steve defeated Zicky Dice on BTI, and that was talking BTI, folks. Thank you, thank you for talking BTI with us, everybody. Cool. <laughs> um, so the uh, the opening video recapped uh, the gauntlet for the gold match where Eric Young uh, defeated 19 other men to earn the honor of challenging Josh Alexander for the Impact World Championship next month at Slammiversary. Um, we're on the road to Slammiversary as we speak, man. So a good, a good video intro uh, for this. They really did a good job recapping that match last week. They did. Yeah, I really like I think this was a show of video packages and um they did some they did some not all of them were good, but most of them were pretty good. Yeah, most of them. Um pretty good. Uh, speaking of which, uh Speedball Mike Bailey versus the Laredo Kid, man. Pretty, pretty I, I thought good. Yeah, I thought they had a hell of a match to open the show. Um and it was really hard to get the fans into it because they, they seemed exhausted at this point. And there wasn't that many of them there in uh in the in the Cincinnati, well, I guess what Newport, Kentucky place. But um they, they had a really good match. Um so both men were exhausted, but Bailey managed to nail a standing somersault knee drop before nailing Kid with a huge kick to the head. Bailey got a two count, kid reversed to get his own two count while Bailey reversed again to get the win. Um Bailey uh Bailey might have had his body outside the ropes for the win, but the uh, the announcer stated that the referee's position meant Bailey was headed to Slammiversary regardless. So he's headed to the uh, X the ultimate X match at Slammiversary, but a very good match here and uh, Laredo Kid takes another L. Laredo Kid takes a lot of L's. That's what that L in Laredo stands for. Um Yeah, it's a good match. I mean, uh, I don't <sighs> I got nothing. It was a good match. Yeah, I was watching it, and I was like, what is it about Laredo Kid that companies just don't seem to want to get behind? Like, they bring him in, he won a couple of matches, and then he's just kind of like the the high flyer that everybody beats. I, I don't get it. But Is it a Spanish language thing? I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if he speaks English or not, man. But I'm uh, going to assume no, because in, he's been in three different promotions now in the U.S., and I haven't heard him say a word. He has one U.S. win, I, well, more than one, but one major one. That was in that one time he was in AEW last year. Like, Because yeah. uh, remember, he transferred. He was like, he was MLW, lost a ton there. They did the one thing with AEW, I believe, with Phoenix and Pentagon, and then came over here to Impact, and he loses a lot here, too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I was like, I was looking at him, I was like, he looks... Like physically Great. in his in his costume and stuff, it's very similar to Phoenix. He's not mm -hmm. as spectacular, but he's still spectacular. But for whatever reason, the no American company wants to get behind the guy. So I, I was just I thinking about that during the I don't, get, I don't get it. Like, um, I don't get it. I really don't. Like, I think he's super talented and I really enjoy his work. I guess all I can come up with is that he can't cut a promo. But neither can half this roster, and yet here we are. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ace Austin cut a promo. Speaking of pretty which, good one, uh, actually. from Japan, what's that? Pretty good one. I actually like. Yeah, this pretty promo. good one. Um, he's. Uh, have you been watching his New Japan stuff lately? Uh, I have not. I'm going to play catch up on the uh, best of the Super Juniors this weekend. That's the plan. 
Yeah, so he uh, he cut a promo from Japan and stated that he's disappointed in Mike Mike Bailey's failure to failure to align himself with the X Division champion. Austin bragged about winning the best of the junior junior tournament. Um, he has not done that yet. I think this guy uh, has not been watching the the best of the super juniors, but uh, and taking that momentum in the Slam anniversary. So he uh, he defeated Clark Connors in his first match. It was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he defeated Kanemaru uh, uh, um, in his second match. And then he's got, which I'm probably going to be staying up for uh, on, uh, it'd be tomorrow night here. So it's like 9 p.m. Hawaii time. And I think it's like 12 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. He's actually going to be taking on Hiromu Takahashi in, uh, in the tournament. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, he's going to take an L there. And uh, he's got a good, this happens a lot when you get the new guys in these, uh, these big block tournaments. They win early get people excited and they start dropping matches best example i think of was john moxley in the uh the g1 in 2019 he went on a real strong run uh five and oh and then he uh i think he lost four of the next five matches something like that yeah, yeah so yeah yeah he, he probably loses to uh takahashi but that's fine um takahashi's the best is their number one junior so yeah yeah yeah, it, it makes sense that he would lose to him, uh, and it'll probably be a very good match. So I'm I'm looking forward to watching it. The one thing that I've noticed from Ace Austin, uh, especially with his match against Clark Connors, I don't know what it is about Clark Connors. He's very good, but he kind of looks like he's still in Shibata school. He hasn't graduated yet. Like he has like I haven't graduated Shibata school charisma yet, um, and he just doesn't. Like, I think that Ace Austin looked more like a star. You know, he's got the purple hair. He's got the leather jacket, the sequins. He's got the, 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 whatever his magic wand thing that he carries around. He's got the cards. Like Gambit he has a full staff, blown yes. character there. And, uh, and some of the other guys that I've been seeing in that tournament have been a bit bland compared to him. I, I think he's bringing over something different to them. I agree. Um, I think what's kind of, I think the LA Dojo guys, they're gro- I'm going to use a word that people are going to misinterpret, but it's this is the correct usage of the word. Their growth was really retarded by the pandemic, right? right. Like they should all be that is I'm not using that word and it's offensive phrase. That's actually how the word is supposed to be right. used. Um, they should all have been on excursion over a year ago, if not a year and a half ago. Right. And they kind of strong was really kind of developed to help them along. But the point of the excursion is to get out there and to get different flavors of things, which is why you see these guys doing stuff in AEW. You know, I would like to see them come all into impact and do some more stuff over there. Um, Cause I agree with you. I think they, this is the whole point of the excursion is to get out there and you're kind of, uh, the training wheels are off the bike and you got to figure out what you are at this point. So we're kind of getting that, but I think, it, I think the same could be said with a lot of the, the dojo guys, Kevin Knight actually cut a really good promo. Pretty good people overrated. It's pretty good promo. Uh, and I think it was dark or dark elevation. I just saw the interview and it was pretty good, but I mean, like I agree with you. I think Clark Connors is very good technically, but he's really got to find himself personality wise. Um, you buried the lead. Ados, Ace Austin looked really good in an impact tracksuit. Yeah, yeah, he did. It's Japan, man. Uh, yeah, and he's been doing those backstage uh, press conferences and stuff, and he showed up to one where he was just wearing a, a leather jacket and no shirt underneath and kind of cutting a promo, and I, I, a lot of people are commenting on that. So that's good. Good for Ace, a uh, young guy, finally getting to go to Japan. Uh, I think I think he's really coming to his own there. He's going to be bringing back a lot of valuable experience to Impact. So um, what do you next think of the, we got a – What do you think of the, bit, the, pro, the post-conference uh, interviews? What do you think of those things? I, I think they're cool. I, I think um, some sometimes they're very good. Other times, 
they kind of go off the rails a little bit. Like oh, yeah, people sure. just tend to ramble and stuff and they're not really making a point, but sometimes they can be effective. But I think that new Japan doesn't really control them very well. And especially with the American guys, cause they'll go out there and they're just saying whatever the hell they want. And a lot of it just doesn't make sense, which can be entertaining at times, but it's like, are, like, are you really getting me interested for your next match? Or are you just fucking rambling? So, uh, um, it's like both good. It could, I, I think it can be used effectively though. I think I like them better in theory than execution all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just curious. Yeah. Well, and that's where the, the write that down Fumi say, you know, comes from, right. Those post, uh, those post backstage press conferences, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, next we've got another, you know, a really, really good, uh, commercial for Slammiversary featuring Josh Alexander coming up to this box. This says TNA on it and he opens it up and then it goes through the history of TNA as we go into Slammiversary, a very, very good video package. They did a really good job on that commercial. So, um, pretty excited about that. Um, and then also another video, uh, promo, we got Matt Cardona and Chelsea Green. They're on, her honey, on their honeymoon in Maldives. Uh, they cut a promo, I guess on a boat or something. I don't know where the hell they were, but they cut a promo on last week's Gauntlet for the Gold Match. And Cardona stated that while he's always ready, he's not always available. And uh, Green followed up stating she's coming for the Knockouts Championship at uh, Slammiversary. And Cardona was saying that if Rich Swan wanted a shot at the title, that doesn't mean you can just have it. Um, I... I it's not really breaking news, but Cardona, not only was he not at the Rebellion tapings, he was not at the Under Siege tapings, and he was not at the, the Citrus Brawl tapings. So he is just incognito in uh, in Impact right now. He's on that honeymoon, and, you know, I don't know. you got to get this from Matt Cardona. Is he's, he's a hot ticket on the um, independent scene right now. So you, you kind of get him when you can. I guess Impact doesn't have uh, first rights to him, right? No. Yeah. They they made him one of their bigger stars, and uh, he kind of just he's they NWA has dedicated a whole pay per view to him uh, coming up in Knoxville. I think the he's like the, the champ. Bef- yeah, I think it's like either the week after it's the day before Slammiversary or something like that. But yeah, they um they they're dedicated. It's called NWA Always Ready. Like it's a whole <laughs> like tribute to Matt Cardona. So uh, I'm surprised that they haven't gotten more dates on him, but or that they haven't gotten more control of his dates, but it's like, you got to pay the guy if you want that. I mean, he'll, and Brian Myers is gone now. So mm-hmm. he, uh, his contract expired. So they've, they've moved on from him. He wasn't at the tapings either. That's interesting. Cause he seemed like he was, he had an active storyline going on, which I guess is going to be uh, quietly finished up. I don't know, man. I saw a thing on Twitter saying Chelsea green looks like Matt Riddle. And now that's all I saw tonight while I was watching that promo. <laughs> yeah, she kind of does. That's pretty funny. But, uh, next match was uh, Jordan Grace, Taya Valkyrie, and Mia Yim uh, defeating Deanna Perrazzo, Tasha Steeles, and Savannah Evans in a six knockouts tag team match or a knockouts trios match, however you want to say it. Um, this is the first time in five years and um, Mia Yim has had a match in the Impact Zone. She came out, she had that really cool entrance. She had all the the guys with the masks on in the background. Uh, she said that uh, that's custom-made music that she had made for her. It looked really good. She said that her mom did the artwork for the, the Tron video, which is pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, Are they supposed to be I like... Thought she, I thought her specifically, I think this whole match was designed to make Mia Yim yes. look good. 
And she did look good. Um, mm-hmm. Yip nailed steals in the corner before continuing her assault. Uh, nailing her running cannonball out of the corner. Steals is nailed with a powerbomb by Yim for a two count. Evans made the save. Valkyrie entered the ring as the equalizer, and Yim nailed Evans with a full Nelson suplex before Perrazzo once again made her presence known. Yim and Perrazzo went back and forth until Deanna made was able to make the tag to Evans. Yim quickly gained the upper hand, and after an assist from Valkyrie, nailed Evans with the eat defeat a la Gail Kim. Uh, for the win for her team. So the baby faces go over here. Mia Yum's uh, entrance, that's like retribution-ish, right? With uh, the dudes in the masks and stuff like that. Am I reading into something that's not there? But that's the first thing I thought I, of. I No, I didn't think of that. I think it was more like of uh, like um, some like hip-hop street dance thing is kind of Wasn't what it? I thought. And I think those masks have been incorporated into some of that. I am oh, okay. very ignorant to that world, to be honest with you. But I did watch it in um, Sing 2, they were doing some of those dances. Mm-hmm. I've watched that movie thirty-eight thousand times with my daughter. So, um, but uh, that's where I, that's what I thought it was from. So, okay. I just first thing I thought of when I saw the dudes in the black and and the the weird masks over it that is is she kind of embracing the retribution thing? I was trying to make again. Maybe I'm just nerd wrestling guy. I think seeing wrestling into rest all the wrestling. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, I had not heard that until just this moment. I didn't even think that. That's pretty funny though. Um. Yeah, Retribution was awful, by the way. Yes, yes. It was completely terrible and almost tanked her career, and I'm glad that she's doing something else. I think everybody but uh, old Dijak is is gone from the company. I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, the the one guy. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. His tag team partner. Yeah, who is an announcer, Mace, who I think he's got a new character now. I don't know. I have not been watching uh, Stamford Wrestling lately. Nor have I. Nor have I. Yeah, I completely missed Backlash too. I'm still paying for Peacock. I think I'm canceling it. So, I picked it up for Firestarter this weekend, and that was the worst mistake I've made, including watching Dave WWE pay-per-views. <laughs> so Firestarter was pretty bad, huh? Freaking awful, man. It's, was it it's worse than the first one? Significantly worse than the first wow. one. Wow. Bo- at least the first one wasn't boring. This was boring. And like it was like Carrie meets the X-Men, which when I say that sounds cool, but that wasn't Firestarter. That wasn't the book. And it's really, really boring. Well, I'm glad you said that because now I don't have to watch no, it. No, no. Do yourself a favor. Don't watch it. <laughs> uh, speaking of terrible, we have Locker Room Talk with uh, Madison. Oh, Rain God. And, uh, dude, my uh, can I can I just brag on myself? Sure. Transitions are on point tonight. Yeah, transitions on point tonight. Mm. But uh, locker room talk with Madison Rain and T- uh, Tyndall Dashwood of the influence. Uh, they also brought in Johnny Swinger and Zicky Dice, who are always pretty funny. Um, Stole the show. And then, uh, yep. And then out of nowhere, some voodoo happens, and Havoc and Rosemary show up, and they want a tag team title shot. And uh, the tag team champions let them know, it's like, hey, you guys haven't won anything. Which doesn't really seem to be a prerequisite for a tag team title shot, but I guess they're going to do that now. They're going to invoke that. So I guess Decay has to win something um, to get a shot there. And then at one point, Zicky Dice accused Havoc of being in Swinger's Dungeon. That's where he knows her from. So that was pretty funny. Well, it's pretty funny. I do enjoy those two. <laughs> yeah. Good, good. Or not not good stuff, but Zicky and Swinger are always really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Next, we got Gia Miller backstage with Chris Saban. Saban stated that while he didn't win the gauntlet for the gold last week, he's reliving his past, and he issued the challenge to AEW's Frankie the Future Kazarian to a one-on-one match next week. It's not really the future anymore. No. It's been 20 no. years. It's actually know, kind of the past. I know. We're kind of doing TNA speak, so I'm just calling yeah. him Frankie the Future. And plus, they showed the match from they 2003. They did. 
they yeah. did and it was still really good like even by today's <laughs> standards they're like this holds up fantastically yeah i completely yeah. forgot that frankie was doing the blade runner 20 years ago oh yeah yeah that totally was uh, one that. of his big things and then he did the uh the the flux capacitor there in mm -hmm. the end with the the one man spanish fly so which has become cool. the, the standard spanish fly these days yeah yeah, they're done in uh, most shows will have a guy that's doing that, but he was like the only one that I know of back mm -hmm. in the day. Like I know the um the, the SATs did it, but he was the only one that I knew of back in 2003 doing it on his own. So mm -hmm. Which again, like I said is now the the common version of the Spanish fly is a, the one man variation, not the two. <laughs> yeah. Um and man, the uh I wanted to say the Nashville Fairgrounds audience was freaking on fire in two thousand and three, man. They were loving that stuff. That was a great, great match. Yes, it was. The old asylum, man. It's uh people were excited. Unlike yeah. tonight, where people were not very excited. <laughs> yeah, it took it took so uh it, it took a little bit uh to get these people excited. Um you know, there just wasn't that many people there. They 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 got as many free tickets as they could to fill up the, fill up the seats, but a lot of them didn't seem like they were all that interested, except for I, I would say the main event. They I think they got up for yeah, but, for sure. That and, was and they got they got up for Bullet Club too. But um, uh, next we got a promo by Eric Young. I thought this, this was, was incredible, fantastic. This is like the honestly, this is my favorite thing he's done since coming back here. I yeah. love this. I absolutely adored it. You know how last week I said, you know, I was kind of openly questioning whether or not Eric Young was the right guy for the spot. Mm -hmm. Changed my mind. He's the I, guy. I yeah. agree. And I, this is what wrestling can do, right? They. This is what I like about pro wrestling is we control the narrative. And when we control, oh, God, I just said that. Oh, man. When we control on. the storyline, <laughs> when we're in control of the plot, we can reshape things and make sure that we could, the direction we're heading in is the right one. And it, they cut a really, really good video package. And, like, it's not just one of these WWE video packages where they just beat you over the head with the music and it's all just, to, like, hand-walking you through the story. This actually, like, was Eric talking about his experience in relating real life to where the characters were at at the time, which normally they got, I don't like the blending, but it really worked here. I thought it really worked well. And he got away from just, like, the Bray Wyatt-esque verbiage that he kind of does in those Violent by Design promos sometimes. And I really felt like it was Eric, like a serious veteran Eric Young talking to us. This was mm -hmm. this was great, man. Kudos. Yeah, great, great. You, I, I think I know why you also like it. Because it reminded me of your Russell Joy article about him. Oh, it's also I thought about that too, actually. Yes, yes. So, yes. I wasn't gonna plug myself. I was gonna <laughs> let you do that for me, but I appreciate yes. it. <laughs> yeah, when I was watching it, I was just like, because I actually, whenever I wrote my column this week, I when I talked about his fitness for the main event, where I said, you know, I, while I did say that I thought that Eddie Edwards, just per, you know, the storyline of what's happening this year and his record and thing, I thought he would have been the better guy. Um, but Eric Young is still awesome, and it's going to be a great main event. And then I kind of went through some of his history, and I said, as you know, I linked to your article. I said, as JD said, he can do you know yada 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 X Y and Z. And so I had reread your article to make sure I, I didn't want to plagiarize your stuff. So instead, so I just kind of could plagiarize my stuff. Yeah, I, I'm okay I with linked, it. I linked your stuff over and kind of made a similar point that you were making about um, be, you know he's been an impact since 2004, and this is the 20th anniversary show, and he's one of the most enduring characters that they've ever had and so that it makes sense to have him it there. does make sense especially they really they really hammered that home with this video they did and especially because they hammered home the idea of like i don't know if we're bringing back tna or if we're just embracing the tna concept a little bit more but it kind of it makes sense right because there's not a whole lot of like 
I hate using the term original because that's kind of beaten into the ground, but there's not a lot of guys who have that TNA pedigree, right? Mm-hmm. And Eric Young is one of them. Like he went from an opening match, not really a job guy, but an opening match, just dude who's just kind of there to the champion and like, and back again. So there's a, there's a lot there. I, I don't, I appreciate the story a lot more than I did a week ago. I'll put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Miller's backstage with uh, Josh Alexander. Alexander stated while he respected those impact talents before him, he will remain champion at Slammiversary. And this guy buried the lead here, too, because I thought this was a very good promo. And he said that, you know, you were part of the the previous 20 years. And now on Slammiversary, we're going to find out who's going to carry impact wrestling into the next 20 years. And I thought that was an effective promo. Very good line. Yeah, good line. And I Alexander's a good promo now. Um, I th- He's right up there, dude. It's great. <laughs> Are they, um, I wonder, is he getting bullet points from, if he is, that's fine. I, if, uh, that's what a writer should do is like, Hey, here's, you know, here are the bullet points. Go, go be your own guy. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, uh, next we've got, uh, the bullet club, good brothers, doc Ellis and, uh, Carl Anderson defeated honor no more with Matt Taven and Mike Ben at the OGK. Maria Canales was on commentary. Uh, one thing I just wanted to make mention, like the Good Brothers have been teasing being baby faces. Well, they were full-blown baby faces. Straight up baby faces tonight. Yeah, they were going around the ring. They were too sweet and all the fans. They are doing the cool heel type of stuff. Uh, super, super baby face. They were over too, man. Got to give mm-hmm. them credit. And I, I thought this was a pretty good match. I, I, I felt like the Good Brothers had their working boots on. Um, OGK looked great, obviously. I really liked this. Yeah. Uh, the end was a little overbooked, but if you're, if you watch um, OGK and the, the, the good brothers for years, right. That's like a thing like Carl Anderson and Maria. And like, that's, that goes back, that goes back to like 2015 new Japan. So if you're a longtime fan, it's really fun. And I kind of liked, I liked watching uh, uh, Bennett Spears wife and, you know, Maria's tough. She does that stuff. And, it was a little overbooked, but I was I was actually entertained by it. I thought it was pretty yeah. good. Yeah, a little overbooking every now and then doesn't hurt. Yeah. And I, I thought that uh, it worked well with this. And yeah, you closed the loop on a storyline that started in 2015. Yeah. Um, so basically what happened is, is Maria Maria Canellis or Maria Bennett gets into the ring to distract Carl Anderson, who's about to hit the gun stun on Mike Bennett. Uh, Anderson is distracted. He goes over to Maria. He confronts her. And then Mike Bennett tries to spear Anderson. He ends up spearing his wife, uh, knocking Maria out. Anderson followed up by uh, – Anderson confronted Bennett for hitting his own wife. Bennett had blood trickling down his forehead, too. I don't know what that ha- what happened there. but um, And then he hit the gun stun and got the victory. The Good Brothers now heading to Slamiverse. Um, I didn't announce it tonight, but it's not really a spoiler. I think everybody knows what's going to happen. They're headed to Slammiversary to take on the Briscoes. Yeah, should be fun, match. Yeah, um, and then um, yep, we got a, we got a promo by uh, Sammy Callahan stating that he's coming for Moose. So um, there you go. What'd you think of that? It's fine, Sammy. It was an okay promo. Yeah, uh, Masha. Speaking of okay, we got Masha Slamovich squashed another person, but. Um, uh, Havoc of all people who wants a tag team title shot um, came down to the ring to confront Masha Slamovich to set up a future match between the two um, I I like these two wrestling each other I just don't know why Havoc who was in a previous segment wanted, talking about the tag team titles is now going to challenge Masha Slamovich who is a singles competitor makes, makes no sense to it me it makes absolutely no sense and I couldn't wait to bring this up on the show because yeah. first of all it's havoc. Second of all, do we really need two havoc segments on a show? Third of all, <laughs> why? Why would you? Well, you guys need to win something as a tag team. That makes perfect sense. I'll go challenge the undefeated 
woman that won't bring us up. To, you can't really say tag team rankings because there's not a whole lot of knockouts tag teams. So this it just felt a little sloppy to me. Yeah, it um, it seems like two different people had two different storyline ideas and they didn't talk to each other. That's kind of what it sounds like to me. Now, mm-hmm. if this is her way of getting a tag team title shot, that makes no logical fucking sense. You know, you would think that she would challenge one of the tag team champions and then beat them to get the tag team. Like, I could see that, right? But instead, you know, it's like, or De- Decay should really be challenging another tag team. The problem is, who's that? Who? Yeah. Right, like if someone, if... uh if Masha was hanging out with anybody right now, but that would, that would have meant getting her involved in a storyline at some point in the last six months. So, I mean, like this is just, I mean, I'm glad they're going to put her with someone, but it just, from a booking perspective, didn't really make sense. It was a little sloppy. Yeah. Yeah. Real sloppy. doesn't make any sense. Uh, Next we got backstage rush Singh and Shara cut a promo on Bupinda Gujar. Uh, before Gujra interrupted, uh, Singh uh, continued to lay out the numbers uh, game before W. Morrissey interrupted. Shira stated next week before taking office, Gujra and Morrissey locked hands agreeing to, to battle the enemy. Um, there was a line in here that didn't quite make it into this paragraph, but um, Gujra was saying, oh, you don't really have to do that. I don't need your help. And then Morrissey said, no, it's okay, brother. Sometimes it's okay to ask for help. And that was like you know him talking sobriety and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the character that we're going to get from Morrissey from now on. It's a good line. I liked it. Um, not a. It's hard because like you had a bunch of guys English tech language and like, it was okay. It was an okay promo. It, it um, reminded me of community theater acting for the most part. I can't argue with you. It was not great. Uh, I, I say it's okay just in the terms of pressure. So I was like, okay, it got us from point A to point B. I thought Morrissey closed the loop, which made it a lot better. If Morrissey doesn't step in here, this is as bad as the Serena Deep thing last night on Dynamite. <laughs> I didn't think anything could be worse. No, yeah. <laughs> poor Serena Deep. <laughs> One thing I'll say about Dyna, about um, excuse me, that I like about Impact over Dynamite is they don't, you know, in Impact we're not hitting those quarter hours. You know, we're not worrying about those minute by minute. So it gives the show a freedom to kind of breathe a little bit, yeah. and we let things kind of evolve, and we don't have to move at a breakneck speed. Whereas at AEW, you really are like, okay, we got to hit this, we got to hit this, we got to make sure this, you know. So I I, I do appreciate that, and sometimes. You got to let your characters and part of this program, too, is there's a lot of people that are growing on this show. So you got to let them try stuff. And I'm all about I'm all about people trying promos everywhere. Got to try. It's the only way to get better. But sometimes when you're watching people try to get better, it's not great for the audience. <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, ho- hopefully, you know, Raj Singh and uh, Gujra get better. I think Shira's had a long time and a lot of opportunities to get better. I think Shira is what he is right now. Shira is going to be part of a new wrestling program television show that we'll talk oh. more about on the Patreon this week. Yep. Stay tuned uh, to the Patreon. Uh, yeah, Shocking as that may be. Yeah. Um, main event time. They got the Briscoes. Uh, they retained their titles against Violet by Design of Diener and Joe Doring. Um, I again, I thought this was a really good match. Um, we'll just go to the end here, and then we'll kind of talk about it. But Violet by Design were on the attack as Diener nailed a diving headbutt on Jay, but only for a two count. Jay recovered and went to execute the Doomsday Device with his brother, but failed as Doring made the save, halting Mark on the top rope. Uh, with that being said, uh, Jay took the advantage to roll up Diener for the win, retaining the World Tag Team Championships. And then after the match, 
uh, Eric Young and Joe Doring attacked the Briscoes, and then Josh Alexander made the save, and then we had the baby faces in the ring clearing out the heels, all holding their titles, uh, which is going to be leading towards a uh, Josh Alexander and Briscoes versus Violent by Design match here coming up, I think, next week. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Like, I like this. I, I'm... I really enjoy the Briscoes in this promotion, man. They're a breath of fresh air. Their work style is so like chaotic, but fun. Right. I just, I just quite enjoy them. I think they're great. I really do. Yeah. I I think they're great. I, they are such a a welcome change of pace to, to impact. I, you know, I was really bummed when they didn't get a bigger opportunity, but also just selfishly, I'm like, selfishly, I have an impact podcast. Mm-hmm. Bring it. I love the Briscoes. Um, the Brisk, I didn't really watch a ton of Ring of Honor throughout the years, but every time I did, one of the main points, one of the main reasons why I would even watch is because of the Briscoes. Briscoes. I just thought that they were awesome tag team. And not just like, um, I, I know Road Dog had his stupid line today where wrestling doesn't really make any money. It's, you know, entertainment that makes money. But I I felt like the Briscoes brought both to Ring of Honor because their their matches are always really freaking good. And they were great promos. They were great characters. They stood out. They, they you know, they they stand apart from everybody else. They, they just have a cool look and a cool vibe, and I think they're awesome. Yes, Road Dog. The guy who... <laughs> Drew absolutely nothing. It was irrelevant when he wasn't with the WWE because he's not that great of a wrestler. Quoting Jamie Dundee about what works and what draws in professional wrestling. Jamie Dundee, JC Ice, not Bill Dundee, who did draw money, but Jamie Dundee. Of PG-13. Of PG-13, his greatest claim to fame with Wolfie D. Who yeah. had a sec? Who actually had a second life in Impact? Um, okay, so Wolfie D was he was Sin? Was that his name? He was Sin in Impact. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, so this is what's crazy is that like you had these guys from the '90s, right, who came up in the death days of the territories, who really don't know what got over, right? They just came up in the in the double monopoly era, and they think they know what draws when none of them ever drew anything outside of WWE. So why are you telling me what works and what doesn't what you never had a chance when he was, when BG James was here in impact, no one gave a shit about him. He was the third wheel in three live crew, right? Like truth was awesome. Conan's Conan. What was road dog? irrelevant it's just i it's entertaining me listening to these things like because it's always like a backhanded thing anything that isn't wwe well you can't do it on just wrestling well nobody nobody over the last 60 years has tried to do a show with just wrestling like they talk about like people try to do rings like ring of honor was doing stories they weren't they just weren't very good stories at the end so i'll give him that just i don't know man that dude that dude is something else read his twitter if your brain ever wants to melt <laughs> yeah, I, I think he I think he missed the mark with Ring of Honor. I don't think the Ring of Honor their biggest problem was the lack of storylines. I think it was just they never really had a company that was you know investing everything into them to make them compete at the highest level. No, um, Sinclair had them as cheap programming for all their cheap stations that they have around the country. So they were never like. And that's and that's where the term all in came from is because those guys were looking for somebody that was going to go all in with them and mm-hmm. try to compete. And Ring of Honor never wanted to do that. Nope. And then Hunter Johnson, old delirious. He's one of the most uninspired bookers of the last decade and a half. Yeah. Right. Because Ring of Honor. Honor. Yeah. yeah. Ring of Honor. All the guys that are in AEW and in Impact now were in Ring of Honor under his tenure. And they were OK. I mean, they did well when Cody and the Roman, the Bucks were there. 
Like Kenny Omega never really was a Ring of Honor guy, so you can't really count him. But Kenny and the Bucks were. They were full-time Ring of Honor guys, and they were drawing well and people like them. Like, it just, it was not good when he was there. And I put a lot of it on Hunter Johnson, and they hired somebody else. But that wound up being a mistake when they tried to replace Hunter Johnson as Booker of Ring of Honor. Do you recall yeah. who they hired? Was it Bully? No, it was Marty Skrull. Oh, that's right. Yes. I remember that. Because I know Bully was there and he was like taking a leadership role too. And like Delirious was a you know, they were like super tight and yeah. I think they were they were dating the beautiful people's sisters or something like that. I can't remember the whole drama behind it, but Yeah, they were with uh yeah, because Bully was with Velvet and Hunter Johnson was with Mandy Leon. That's why Mandy Leon was all over Ring of Honor. Because yeah. she was dating the booker. Yeah. Even though she was not good at wrestling. So yes. Yeah. So we 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 got it. We gotta cut it for, for now for the free feed um here on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. But before we go, JD, what are your overall thoughts on this week's episode? Fun. Um, I think like I said, I really appreciate how this show gets to breathe a little bit and just exist. I'm curious to see what we do with TNA. That is intriguing me. Um, on the whole, three pretty good matches, largely inoffensive packages. It's pretty good. Solid B. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I thought three pretty good matches. Uh, two of the video packages, was, one was just the Slammiversary commercial, mm-hmm. and the other one with Eric Young I thought was just unbelievable and really got me turned around on this main event. So, um, I yeah, g- very good show. Big, big-time thumbs up for me. <laughs> um, but, hey, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, um, that's going to do it for us this week. But if you're on Patreon, stick around. we got tons of stuff to talk about. Um, not a lot of impact news happening this week. we got one impact thing with the talking about Jonathan Gresham, but we're going to get into the OVW stuff, the wrestling entertainment series, that card is out. And of course the former impact world heavyweight champion got shit canned again by another promotion. We're going to talk about that. Uh, so stay tuned everybody. Oh, let's, um, let's get the free show. Let's plug our stuff while everyone can. Oh us. yes, please. JD, go ahead. Uh, I got an article with Russell Joy coming out tomorrow. My second part of my Who is the Black Scorpion piece where I actually went through and uh, with the aid of my good buddy, John Muse, fantasy booked what they should have done in 1990 with the Black Scorpion. I gave three possible outcomes that were better than the <laughs> outcome that we actually got with the Black Scorpion. So I'm really happy with that. So that was yeah. that was a lot of fun. And then uh, what about you guys? What do you got coming out this week? Uh, I will be doing my articles. So my articles, they used to come out on Fridays or at least, well, let's just say I used to submit them on Fridays and then they would go through the editing and then sometime on Saturday they would get posted, but I'm not even writing them until Saturday now. So, um, you probably see that on Saturday, but it's not coming out on Friday, but I'll have all the ratings. I'll have whatever impact news is coming out. I'll talk about this week's show and then uh, we'll start the road to Slammiversary on, uh, on my brace for impact column. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. All right, everybody. Uh, Like I said, free feed. We'll see you next week. Patreon, stick around.